Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. UFC going back to Fight Island once again for a very exciting middleweight clash between Robert Whitaker and Darren Till. A meaningful fight in the middleweight division that could possibly have some title implications. We'll be breaking down that fight as well as our two favorite fights on the fight card along with it as part of our Fights Dogs and Parlay segment where we also give you a parlay that we think you should play and an underdog we think you should play. And not to brag or anything, our underdogs have hit three weeks in a row. That's right. Three weeks in a row, we've given you an underdog that gives you plus money odds and cashes. We got Comma Worthy, Davey Grant, and last week we hit Brett John. So make sure you tune in to find out which underdog is going to win next. Before we get to all that great stuff, though, we are going to be talking with three debuting fighters on this card. First, we're going to be talking with British heavyweight Tom Aspinall, who's making his debut on the card against Jake Collier. Then we're going to be talking with Nicholas Stolz, a German kickboxer who is debuting against Ramazan Amiv. And then we're going to be talking to Jai Herbert, who in his debut is getting to fight Francisco Trinaldo. It is absolutely an entertaining fight. All three of them are really, and these uh, interviews are just as entertaining as the fights will be. So we're going to get to that, all of it, right now. All right, and joining me today is Tom Aspinall, who fights Jake Collier at UFC Fight Island 3, Whitaker versus Till. So... Tom, I wanted to start by asking you, you know, obviously you were booked all the way back a long time ago to fight in London, you know, close to your hometown. Do, do you wish that you got to debut in London, but or do you really love the idea that kind of like Fight Island is your debut? Uh, to be honest, I'm not I'm not really too bothered about where I debut, to be honest with you. As long as I get to fight, that, that's all that really matters. So uh, it would have been nice to fight in London because they had a lot of people coming for it and stuff, but. Obviously, the circumstances stop that, so there's no, that's kind of out of my control a little bit, so there's nothing I could really do. So, here we are. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, obviously, you're, you're a little bit more loose about where it could be. Did it bother you that you had to wait, that you put in the training camp, were just about ready to fight, and it kind of, the rug was pulled out from underneath you? I mean, it, it wasn't great because I was prepared for it, but if you want me to be honest with you, to be completely honest, I didn't have the best training camp the first time, and, and this time has been so much better, so... Um, maybe it was a blessing in disguise. I don't know. Obviously, I still would have turned up and I still would have fought and I still would have, I think I still would have won, but this time's been so much better. That, that's interesting. What, what about the training camp didn't feel like it, it was like a proper or a good training camp? I had a few injuries that I was dealing with. Uh, I was dealing with a few personal stuff as well. Um, and just, I just wasn't feeling great. The diet wasn't great as well. This, this this training camp is the first time I've ever had like a real diet where I'm actually feeling good and stuff. The other time I was just like all over the place trying to do it properly and it wasn't working and I just didn't feel great. And this time it's much better. That that's interesting. In in obviously we don't want you to disclose injuries right before you go into a fight. But what was the amount of time you took off enough for all of those injuries to heal up? Or are you 100% going into this one? Yeah, I'm more than 100%. To be honest. With you, Maybe injuries is the wrong word. Maybe it was like more like knocks. I had a few knocks, a few, uh, you know, just, just, I was just a bit, a bit beat up. Do you know what I mean? In the first time. And, uh, just, just a, like a combination, like an accumulation of things was bothering me at the same time. So yeah, this time I'm, I've got no, uh, nothing like that. I'm all good. Well, and, and it's, it, it's fun that you're, you're on this card too, because obviously it's being headlined by, by Darren Till, 
who is also a, a British guy and a guy who you know pretty well. How, how exciting is it to be on the same card as him to make your UFC debut? Uh, it's exciting, do you know what I mean? It's, it's good that we can all, we have the same training camp and stuff and we're all preparing for the same day because we've got another teammate, Mike Grundy, on the card as well. So we're, uh, we've all been preparing together, but it's not the first time, you know, we've, we've all fought on the same card before, I think, or, you know, we have, a, we have quite a big team. So it's always good to prepare together, I think, rather than just to prepare on your own. So I like that. Is it weird, too, that you, you're usually used to preparing together with a bunch of guys who are going to be on the same card, and then suddenly you're in all these weird quarantines, like right? Like you're in, on your own for a second. Maybe you're with your coaches. Maybe you're not with your coaches. Is it odd that like this is kind of like a broken-up version of that? Yeah, I mean, it is kind of weird. That just like a lot of things in this pandemic, that a lot of it just doesn't really make sense. It's like we've been – I think there's like eight of us on the trip with the three fighters and the coaches – um, and obviously the eight of us have been together like nearly every day for the last, I don't know, six weeks at least. And then we all have to go into like different rooms and stuff and we can't see each other now for, I think, three days or something and we can't even leave the room. But like I say, there's, there's a lot of, I don't know about where you are, but in, in the UK at the moment, there's a lot of like contradiction, contradicting um, guidelines and rules and stuff like that. So a lot of it doesn't really make sense. So I'm just kind of just taking it for what it is. I follow the rules and, and that's it really. I, and I think that's probably all you can do at this point, too. Is it difficult trying to figure out what you're going to do to train day to day? Or are you able to contact you know, your coaches enough to like almost work through a training session? Because I know now you know, you're not doing any like heavy sparring this close to a fight or anything like that. But you know, obviously, you'd usually be drilling or hitting mitts or something like that. What, what have you been doing to, to stay fresh? Well, like you said, the, the hard work's kind of done, really, at this point. I think it's only, we're on Thursday today, so it's still nine, nine or ten days till me fight, something like that. So uh, I'm just trying to stay loose, to be honest with you. I've, I've had kind of a long training camp, so just basic stuff. So just like shadow boxing, um, yoga, trying to move around, keep the body loose more than anything, just don't let myself uh, stiffen up, trying to keep the, the breathing going, the lungs and stuff like that, because... I find that if you don't train for a few days, it's kind of like when you start to train again, your lungs, they're not really used to going. I don't know. It's, it's difficult to describe, but I just try and keep... Last night, I did a, I did some like Baz Rutten workout that I found on YouTube where basically you just, you just calls out the combinations and you just you just throw them. So that was pretty easy. I didn't really have to think. I just threw them shot. But we're in this room and uh, we've been told not to open the windows. So it was, it was fucking hot in here, man. It was so hot. So, so you're, you're in your room, you're, you're looking up Boss Rutten workouts. Were you specifically looking for Boss? Why, why, uh, how did you stumble upon that video? Um, to be honest, I can't, I can't really remember. I think it just came up to me. Like, you know, YouTube recommendation things, I think it just came up. So I just clicked on it, and then I seen, I think it was like 10 two-minute rounds, and he just calls the combination. So you don't really have to think or anything. You know, sometimes if you put your own workout together, you do, well, me personally, if I'm put, doing my own workout, I'll just change it five times within the workout. So <laughs> if this was easy, I just kind of just followed what he said. It was easy. That, that's awesome. It's good to know that, that El Guapo was helpful in your training camp. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the fight itself, because you were obviously scheduled to fight Jake Collier, but you were also scheduled to fight him back in March. How, how much preparation had you done for him back in March before your opponent switched then? Uh, I mean, my... He wasn't a put. He was a change because first of all, I was supposed to fight a Brazilian guy. Um, they did change. They changed it quite far out, so I think I still had a, about four or five weeks to prepare to prepare for Jake Collier. So 
it's almost like I've done two training camps for him now. So I just kind of picked it up just where I left off with in terms of. Uh, but with with Jake, it's difficult because he's not fought for like over two years. So don't really know what to expect because a lot a lot of stuff can change in two years. So we're just kind of going off his old fights, but just trying to focus on me a little bit more as opposed to what he's going to do because it's hard to to figure out what someone's going to do when they're fighting regular. Never mind when they when they've had two years off. So just trying to focus on what I'm doing a little bit more than what he's doing. That makes a lot of sense. And, and obviously, you know, you're a well-rounded guy. You, you can do the stand-up. You're great with ground and pound. Is there a, a part of your game that you worked on most in this training camp? I think with with every training camp, you, you've got to work on everything, obviously. But um, I, I was trying to work a lot of footwork, to be honest with you, this training camp, because I know he likes to uh, he likes to march forward, to plod forward a little bit, throw a lot of punches and kicks. So, uh, just trying to just trying to keep that distance, keep it long, and and just use my footwork well, which I should use anyway. I've not really used much footwork in in a lot of my fights, to be honest with you. So um, hopefully, I'm going to get to show off a little bit of that this time. And, and what is what do you think the reason is that you weren't able to? Is it just that you've ended so many of them fast? Is it that it's been on the regional scene where you know guys aren't as good as they are in the UFC? Um, well, in my earlier fights, I didn't really have the footwork that I've got right now. So that's something that I developed over the last couple of years, and uh, since I've been back doing MMA, um, it's just yeah the fights have just been pretty quick and I've not really needed to as well so um, yeah it's just it's just not really worked out yet but I'm I'm looking forward to showing that because I'll have to move my feet a lot more because these guys have some serious power so I'll have to start working my defense a little bit a little bit better. Absolutely and obviously you know before I let you go I do really like to get a prediction out of my fighters. Do you have a way that you see this fight going with Jake Collier this upcoming weekend? Uh, I think, well, I don't think I know, and it's proven that I've got I've got uh, something that some fighters have, but not all fighters have. And what I've got is, I believe that I've got uh, God-given power in both hands. So I think uh, with the speed that I possess and with with the with the power that I've got, that if I'm gonna hit him clean, he's gonna go to sleep. And it, that's not just for Jake. Do you know what I mean? That's that can be for anyone. I just need to land once, and that's it. So um, yeah, I think I'm gonna knock him out. All right, well, you heard it here first, folks. This is Tom Aspinall, who fights Jake Collier at UFC Fight Island number three. Uh, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks, brother. Thank you very much. And that interview with Tom Aspinall is brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do judo, kickboxing, sambo, jiu-jitsu, or any other martial art, they've got you covered with a way where you can log your training sessions, leave yourself notes, communicate with your friends, and even log your competitions. It is the best way to stay on top of your training and make sure you're meeting your goals. Once again, that's Maroon Social, wherever you download your apps. And joining me today is Nicholas Stoles, who fights Ramazan Amiev at UFC Fight Island 3. So, Nicholas, I, I have to ask, you know, just a week ago, you were in the UFC. You didn't have a fight scheduled. You're in Europe where, you know, not a lot of fights are happening. What, what has this past week been like to you? Crazy, 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 crazy emotions, up and downs. Um, it was like, I'm really, really excited about it. Um, and I worked so hard in the past. The last years, I worked so hard f to get this chance, so it was surprising, but it was like I really accomplished my goal, you know? Like, it was like, okay, I got the call now, I'm ready, um, 
I jumped straight into training, you know, I was straight like, okay, let's go, let's we do like two or three sessions a day and um, I was so fired up and um, I'm just happy as fuck, I'm really, really happy. That, that's awesome to hear. Now, I know obviously you, you don't get a huge chance to game plan for somebody when you only have a week of camp. What has that sort of been like kind of learning on the fly? Did you know a lot about Amiev ahead of time or, or have you just kind of been focusing on yourself? Um, yeah, um, I know him because he was an M1 global welterweight champion, so I I just heard his name before, but I haven't watched any fights of him, um, and like you said, like there's no really much time to make a game plan, but also he's not like the craziest fighter on the roster, you know, so he's not doing like so much special things I have never seen or something like this, he's a good wrestler, and he is very composed, he's very calm, his striking is very good. So it's like, okay, I'm just prepare myself for a good fight. Um, I just prepare myself like I always prepare myself. There will, I have really good striking, so he will feel that. Then he wants to wrestle me. So I try to defend the takedowns, get him away from me, and then strike again. So it's like my fight's always going to be like, you know? And, and, and yeah, I was going to ask you that. Is that how you feel like most of your fights are anyway, right? Like you're a, you're a very talented striker. As a result, do you feel like almost everybody wants to wrestle you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, there was a time in my career where I was like, okay, maybe I need to add a little bit more wrestling and more jiu-jitsu to my game plan. Um, and it worked for a couple of fights, you know. But now on the big stage... Um, I want to show my striking skills because I'm really, I'm like, I'm a good striker, you know, and I want to strike. So, but I think, honestly, I think he wants to strike with me as well because he has to prove his ground. He comes, he's coming from a loss against Rocco Martin and Rocco Martin is a striker as well and he was not really taking him down a lot. So, um, I watched this fight a couple of times. So, I think it will be a slugfest or something like this. <laughs> and is, is that what you're hoping for too do you enjoy yeah, yeah, yeah. to get in there and get it messy i hope i hope so i hope so um i don't want boring fights or something like this i've never had boring fights you know i had like um in my in my losses i lost via split decisions or like unanimous decisions and even these decisions haven't been boring or something like this you know so i just want to go in and have fun and um, want to show all my skills and want to introduce my t myself to the world and yeah I'm like I said I'm just happy it's like just all about ha being happy at the moment well I, I love that and it's great to hear that now I am curious too because obviously you're, you're from Germany there's not a lot of German fights fighters in the UFC do, do you feel like you're sort of carrying the the torch for German fighters mm, I think so I think so because I mean, we have a lot of, like, we have good German fighters, like, coming out of Germany, but then maybe, like, uh, representing other countries or stuff like this because they come into Germany with uh, an immigration background, and that's absolutely fine. So, I'm not, I'm, like, German-German, so my mom is a German, my dad is a German, so I have to carry the German flag. It's, like, um, yeah, I think, I think, like you said, like, Put them all on my shoulders now, you know, so I have, but it's not really pressure or something. It's more like I want to show that we Germans can fight, you know, because we don't have these much Germans in the UFC. You know, we had 
a really, really good one with Pascal Krause and he got injured and then shit happened in his life. I don't know so much, but then he's not fighting anymore. So now it's my time and um, yeah, that's it. So, so why do you feel like there aren't more Germans in the UFC? Do you think there's a problem, you know, like not having enough regional promotions? Do you think there's a problem not getting enough people to watch German MMA? What, what do you think the reason is why we don't have many? Yeah, um, honestly, I don't know. But I think, like, this is my opinion. So I think uh, our German MMA scene is not that big because we have these problems with the TV rights, you know. The UFC is not in the TV, so that's really shit for everyone who is a fan. Then you have, like, I don't know, five, six broadcasters. You know, you have The Zone, you have ESPN, then you have the Fight Pass, you have Run Fighting Fight Pass and so much stuff. And the people are, like, a little bit of they're confused, you know, because they cannot watch MMA properly. So then we don't have big German promotions, you know, like we have a couple of promotions and they call themselves big, but I call them, don't call them bigs, you know, like I think the problem is the German MMA scene, like in turn, you know, like, like. I think we, we all should push ourselves, we all should support ourselves, we maybe should train all together, you know, because everyone is separate, and I mean, if you go to Miami, you know, and you go to an American top team, you you, you find like 50 or 40 UFC fighters on the mat, you know, so in Germany you have to travel maybe five to six hours to get to one gym, whereas maybe one MMA fighter from the UFC, you know, like when I want to train with a UFC fighter, I have to go down to Balingen, to Peter Zubota, who's with me on the card, but I need to drive like maybe six and a half hours with the car, you know? So this is stressful. So I think the problem is, the problem is because it's not on TV. I think that's the biggest problem. Um, we should bring it into the TV because it's showable, man. This is the, the greatest sport of all time. In my opinion, it's the greatest combat sport, you know? Boxing is great. I love boxing and I love the, the science behind boxing and the art behind boxing. But MMA should be in the TV because there's nothing. It is not like two guys go in the cage and just one is leaving the cage. You know, it's not this shit anymore. And I think the Germans, they have still this this, this mind. They, they are a little bit afraid of new stuff. You know, in Germany, it's like always there. Oh, there's something new. Mm, not yet. You know, we, we stick to our stuff. Um. Yeah, but it's time. It's like just now it's time to show everyone what we are capable of. You know, we are, I have a great team and this is all a team I raised and we all raised together, you know, and we can show that we Germans can do something big, you know. Well, and you have a chance to do something big here and sort of put Germany on the map with a fight against Ramazan Amiyev. Can I get a prediction out of you? You said you, you're expecting a slugfest. How do you expect this one ending? Um... I will pressure him and I will test my my cardio because, like you said, it was like a very short period of time to get really fit. I'm always fit. I'm always training. I do a lot of trial and stuff. I'm a big fan of the Diaz brothers. I do cycling, you know, and not just like 40 kilometers recovery cycling. We go like for like 150 or 200 kilometers cycling straight. Um, my coach, he is like a, freak, a freaky guy. So... Um, He's like saying like you have to push yourself. So I want to push myself against him, and 
I predict like in a KO in the third round because I will dig to his body, you know, I will I will punch his body because his body is open when he's striking and I hope I can drop him with a liver shot because I love the liver shot so I maybe go for this third round, third round, third round TKO, KO, but man if he if he if he jumps on my leg and I got the guillotine in the first round I finish him with a guillotine, you know, and even if it's like it's slugfest and we we go bang for like 15 minutes, then I go to win it by decision. So this all doesn't matter. So I said it in another interview. I just want to have fun in there. I just want to show my skills. I want to show everyone who I am. Um, and that's it. Well, we're looking forward to it. Once again, fans, this is Nicholas Stoles, who fights Ramazan Amiev at UFC Fight Island 3. Nick, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And that interview with Nicholas Stoles is brought to you by Battle Clean Gear. Visit BattleCleanGear.com and use promo code TURTLEUP10, that's T-U-R-T-L-E-U-P-1-0, for 10% off your whole order there. You've probably made it back to the gym at this point in time. You're going to want to do so with fresh duds. So head on into that gym wearing some fresh Battle Clan gear, because not only does it look amazing, it also feels great. And when you're rolling, you want to be comfortable. They've got the most comfortable grappling gear out there. So check them out at BattleClanGear.com. And joining me now is Jai Herbert, who fights Francisco Trinaldo at UFC Fight Island 3. So, Jai, I know you had a fight canceled last second that you were supposed to make your debut in England. How disheartening was it to not be able to make your debut in your home country? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was it was quite a, quite a, it was a big blow for me. But you know, um, I just tried to take the positives from there. You know, I, I had a really good camp. I made some really good progressions in my um, training in my uh, you know different areas. So I just had to look at it that way. Plus, my my son was being born like born like a month after. So I tried to look at look at the um, like you know, the the brighter side of things. And so I just moved on from there. But obviously, like, this opportunity's come up to fight on Fort Island. So, you know, I'm just, I'm raring to go now. Well, well congratulations on your son being born. Uh, was it nice being able to have a little bit of time at home afterwards? Yeah, most definitely. You know, I, um, I spent a lot of time in camp and, and away from my family and stuff. So, yeah, when I, you know, had a bit of nice time to um, relax and chill out and, you know, recuperate. I mean, I was, carrying a lot of injuries going into that fight to be honest with you um so I was a bit of a broken man but they've all healed up now and I'm I'm like you know really fresh and I'm, re- I'm ready to go man that's awesome to hear now now you said a couple of injuries obviously I don't want you to disclose everything if it's stuff that you want to keep hidden but but can you tell us a little bit of how you were banged up um yeah there's just a couple a couple of you know a couple of niggles here and there it wasn't it wasn't nothing too too uh, major but they were like you know they were hindering my, my training I couldn't like do certain things to put to my full capability, so you know they, they were just a bit of a noise, a noise, you know what I mean, and a nuisance. So they're all healed up now, and I'm, you know, I'm re- re- feeling fresher, and um, I've had a really good camp, to be honest. Well, well, that's great to hear. Now I also know that that when you were you were about to take that fight, you know, a report came out that you had quit your day job because you were now in the UFC. Obviously, with the pandemic, having a kid. I imagine that was a stressful time for you. Did you have to go back to work, or are you just still a full-time fighter? Um, I can't remember. Did I, I um, I luckily enough in this country, the um, the government people who were working, they sort of give, gave you a, a grant, so that sort of helped me get through that sort of time. People who were like self-employed and stuff, they helped, they like sort of gave you a grant. 
So I had to use that, and that sort of helped me get through that time. So I didn't have to go back to work, and I could still carry on training a while. Um, and obviously, this opportunity has come up with the USC again on Fort Island. So I haven't had to go back to work, and hope you know, not hopefully, but I will. I will be now just like be full time, and um, it's just a great feeling to be honest. I imagine that that is a really great feeling. Do you find more motivation in the fact that this is now your full-time job? Plus, I mean, obviously the kid is motivation as well. Do, are are yeah. you finding yourself more motivated than ever in this camp? Yeah, it's just it's more motivation. I mean, I can train properly now. I mean, I can I can focus more on um, little little things. Little I've got more time. You see what I mean? I've got more time to focus more on these little details. The little details that um, you know. Can, can be the difference from winning or winning or losing or getting to the top. You know, being like an elite level fighter. So it's, it's a, just a great feeling to be able to do that. And obviously, my son's come. You know, and um, you know, I'm looking to build a future for my, my obviously for my, my family as well. So this is just even more motivation. And yeah, it's just it's just, it's just a great great time. Absolutely. Now so, um, I'm ready to go. Absolutely. Now, now let, let's talk about the fight because they offered you Francisco Trinaldo, who's a guy who was very yeah. recently listed in the top 15. He's a guy just outside of the top 15. What were your thoughts when they offered you such like a highly touted guy in your debut? Yeah, I mean, I did. I was offered about four different people, but like I accepted like about three, three, four different people. I think they offered me. Um, so, and then then they all fell through. Then then they offered me Trinaldo. And I was like, oh yeah, that's wicked because obviously I've seen him fight a few times, and he's like, he's been in the top fifteen. Um, you know, he's, he's a he's a he's a dangerous opponent, top level, very um, he's um, experienced. So I thought, you know, it's great that they're offering me these guys. You know what I mean? So obviously they've got faith in me, and um, yeah, man, I'm just it's it's gonna it's gonna be brilliant. You know, I'm gonna put on a, put on a great performance and then put my name right out there. You know what I mean? A- absolutely. And now I want to go back to something you said at the beginning there. They offered you three or four different guys. Were, was Trinaldo the choice that you made, or were the other guys just not willing to take a fight with you? Um, I'm not saying willing, I, I, like because of what's going on, the situation at the moment around the world. I can understand that, you know, certain fighters might. I, I don't know the reasons why I, I didn't. Um, certain people didn't take the fight, but you know, there could have been ultimate reasons. But they can't get out of the country. They, you know, their families, everything. So it's understandable. But when they did offer Trinado, I took that fight and I thought, oh, you know, it's a great opportunity. And um, it's a fight, you know, that um, I'm looking forward to. Absolutely. And we're looking forward to it as well. Now, one of the things about Trinaldo that a lot of people know about is that he is very physically strong, right? Like he's a stocky guy. Yeah. He, he's got a lot of power. Have you done anything in particular to prepare for that power? And, you know, like, what do you think about the way that he fights? Um, I haven't, you know... <laughs> done nothing too specific obviously he's a southpaw he's a short stocky guy he likes to come forward so you know um that's it you know so obviously i've been sparring with southpaws and, and and so forth but um i haven't done nothing oh it's changed my game totally you know i haven't i watched him i watched him at the start of camp um you know and my coaches have watched him but I obviously like to focus on my game you know i don't want to go in there thinking oh he's second guessing people and thinking about oh he's going to do this and that i'm focusing on my game and i'm going to like you know, I'm going to implement my game and my strategies. And, um, yeah, yeah, you'll see that, that fight night, believe me. And, and when we do see that on fight night, I always like to get a prediction here. When we do see that on fight night, how do you see this fight going? How do you see this one ending? Um, obviously, I've trained for a free, a free round fight, you know, a hard free round fight. Um, as Trinaldo, you know, he's a, he's a very tough guy, very experienced. 
Um, it comes forward. You know, he's not been stopped before as well. So, you know, trying for a, free, a good three-round um, fight. Um, but, like I said, I always go in there and I always go to finish. Look at my record, you know what I mean? I'm, I've got a lot of finishes um, from strikes, from punches. So I'm going in there to, to, to put the guy away, simple as. All right, well, you heard it here first, folks. This is Jai Herbert, who fought, fights Francisco Ternaldo at UFC Fight Island 3 this upcoming Saturday. Jai, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, no worries, man. Cheers. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed those interviews with Jai Herbert and the one before with Tom Aspinall and Nicholas Stoles. All very entertaining guys, all making their debut. I'm joined now by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, I- I'm going to leave it to you. Which of these three newcomers are you the most excited about? You know, Gumby, I'm going to go with my man Aspinall because he's a meaty, bulky, just a bulldozer of a man, a 260-pound British heavyweight. I mean, this might be the toughest 260-pound British guy since the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith. It's really, that, that's such a good point, too. I know you're mostly joking with the, the wrestling reference in there, too, but we don't see a lot of big British guys, right? Like, I, I'm trying to think back at, you know, like, Ollie Thompson, maybe back in the day, but, like, we have not seen a ton of, like, really good British heavyweights. And, and you're right, he, he definitely is an exciting newcomer, uh, you know, obviously with the Cage Warrior wins, and, and I think he's got a really favorable matchup here with Jake Collier, so I, I'm excited to see him debut. I'm excited for the other two as well, but yeah, he, he's number one on my, my list. I'm excited for that, and I'll tell you what I'm really excited for. It's our favorite segment on the show, Fights, Dogs, Parlays for Whitaker Till, Fight Island 3. We're breaking it down, and I take it it's brought to the fans by a great company. Tell them, Gumby. This Fights, Dogs, and Parlays is brought to you by MyBookie. Visit MyBookie.ag for the best online gambling experience you can possibly find. They've got a 50% deposit bonus for their sportsbook so that you get more bang for your buck. Plus, they accept cryptocurrency, which is awesome that you can deposit just about any way you want here. Plus, when you win, and you will win, when you win, you can get your payout in 48 hours or less. There aren't a lot of people doing that. All that put together, they've got a great mobile experience as well. So check them out at mybookie.ag. Yo, let me just say, I love UFC, MMA, and I love gambling. Put the two together, and it's like peanut butter and jelly. I love gambling on the UFC. Everyone who knows me knows that. One of my favorite pastimes, and my bookie makes it so easy. I feel like Henner Gracie right now. You guys, it's so easy. But I really do love my bookie. With that said, let's get into it. Let's start with the main event, as we normally do. Robert Whitaker. The former champion at 185 pounds is a minus 120 favorite. Darren Till coming up from 170, uh, or now he is just in the 185 division, and I think that's official. Much like Robert Whitaker, who started at 170 and then really found a home at middleweight, Darren Till is minus 110. Whitaker is coming off a loss where he lost his title to Israel I. Desanya. Uh, and I think that was maybe shocking to a few people uh, because Whitaker at one time was a very strong and thought to be dominant champion. Is he still undefeated in the UFC, obviously? Till is coming off a split decision win over Gastelum, his middleweight uh, return. Before that, he lost via KO to Jorge Masvidal at 170 and lost to Tyron Woodley at 170 via Dar's Choke. Uh, and that was back in 2018. 
So he fought twice in 2019, was one and one, lost to Tyron Woodley for the title back in 2018. He is one and two in his last three. Who you got? I actually am going to go kind of crazy on this one. I'm going to pick Darren Till. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit shocked that the odds are as close as they are. I've seen some bookies out there who've got them absolutely even, and the numbers are fluctuating. I've seen negative 115 to negative 115 on there. So, uh, you know, like the, the books have them largely close here, but I, I really like Darren Till's style against Robert Whitaker. Robert Whitaker is not a guy who's elusive, right? Robert Whitaker is not a guy who avoids a lot of strikes. Is he durable? Yes, he's absolutely durable, with the only guy really having knocked him out being Israel Adesanya, or you would have to go back to his 170 days, where we can assume he was probably dehydrated to the point where his brain was a raisin. But, like, Darren Till up a weight class, I love the way that he looked against Calvin Gastelum. I think he hits really, really freaking hard, and I wouldn't be surprised if Robert Whitaker, you know, gets knocked out by Israel Adesanya, and he's a little bit more chinny, maybe. You know, not that, you know, Robert, or, uh, Darren Till hasn't been knocked out either. But, again, he's now coming up a weight class. He hasn't been knocked out at this weight class. And I just think that, like, if they get into a, a bout where they're just going to throw down and get a little messy, I, I think I like Darren Till being a little more messy than I, I like Robert Whitaker. I, I think I'm with you on this. I lean towards Till actually being the better striker. I lean towards Whitaker maybe having more power. Not that that necessarily matters. Would you say Israel Adesanya has quote-unquote power? No, he has video game combinations that light faces up like Christmas trees. So I don't so much care that Whitaker might have more quote-unquote power. I think Till to be the better striker. Where I come back to Whitaker, however, is I find him to be the tougher of the two fighters, and you can correct me if I'm wrong in thinking this, if it gets pressed up against the cage, if it gets a little grapply, grapply, or clinchy, clinchy. And I also trust Whitaker in a five-round fight, because I've seen him in five-round wars against Yoel Romero, whereas even with Till do a better cut to 185, I don't think of him as having a never-ending gas tank. You think about Conor McGregor, who we know does not have a good gas tank at 155. He didn't really have a good gas tank at 170 either in the first Nate Diaz fight. Say what you will about that fight short notice opponent change, what have you. But Connor is one of those guys that, as Faraz Zahabi says, has the death punch in his left hand. And sometimes the death punch comes with a, a small gas tank. Till, on the other hand, maybe he doesn't have a death punch per se, but I don't think of him as someone that's going to be fresh as a daisy in the fifth round. What do you think about that, just being that it is a five-round fight? You know, who do you trust more there? Yeah, I, I think that you bring up a really good point there, right? Robert Whitaker, we have to trust in a five-round fight more, being that he's a guy who's got lots of experience in them, especially against, like, you know, he went five rounds with Yoel Romero twice. That That's basically, like, ten uh, five-round fights right there. So I, I agree with you that, like, if this gets real late, we do favor him. But I am going to go back to something you said there about the grappling, that we don't think of Darren Till as being a guy who can defend grappling particularly well, right? Like everybody points to the submission loss to Tyron Woodley. But if you go back and look at the stats and, and rewatch the Tyron Woodley-Darren Till fight, you might be surprised to remember that the reason that Woodley wound up on top of Darren Till was not a takedown. The reason he wound up on top of Darren Till was a knockdown. Um, he knocked him down with his hands. He did try to take him down four times and failed miserably every single time. 
So I, I think, you know, Darren Till kind of gets a bad rep. It could just be that we're tagging him as a British guy and British dudes, you know, no offense, notoriously bad takedown defense, right? Like we don't think of British guys with the exception of Mike Grundy as having good wrestling. So, you know, with a guy like Darren Till here, I mean, he's probably bigger than Robert Whitaker and he defended four of Tyron Woodley's takedowns. I don't see grappling as a good path here for, for Robert Whitaker, but you're, you're right. The best thing he can probably do is to try to pin him up against the cage, wear him out, and win those late rounds. I, I think that that's the path to victory for Robert Whitaker. I just don't know that he doesn't get suckered into a firefight before that. Well, I'll tell you what I've been suckered into, and that's actually being excited for this Legends matchup between Hua and Little Nog, even though they're both so far past their prime. But hey, what the hey? It's a Pride rematch from 2005. This is just good old-fashioned fun. Hua is coming off a split draw, believe it or not, to Paul Craig. Beat Tyson Pedro before that via TKO. Lost to Anthony Smith via vicious KO. Before that Anthony Smith loss, he actually had three fights in a row where he won. Uh, beating Corey Anderson, Antonio Rogerio Nogueira, uh, and Gian Volante. So that was sort of a little mini resurgence in 2015 to 2017 for Hua. But now, you know, this guy debuted in 2002, Gumby. So we're certainly past the point of, of prime. And I think it, it comes as somewhat of a shock he hasn't retired yet. Uh, little Nog, on the other hand, coming off a KO loss to Ryan Spann back in Brazil last year in May. Uh, beat Sam Alvey via TKO before that, uh, lost to Ryan Bader all the way back in 2016 uh, before he fled to Bellator, uh, and beat Patrick Cummins before that. So he's 2-2 two and two in his last four, but that's going back four years to 2016. Uh, again, this is a battle of the legends. Who are the one uh, minus 195 favorite era, the plus 160 dog? Who are you taking? Uh, I'm definitely going to go with Shogun here. While, while you, you know, you make a really good point that both of the times he fought Hogerio w- were a long time ago, right? Like one was in 05, one was in 15. Now we're doing it again in 2020 because why the hell not? I don't think a ton has changed. And I actually think Shogun is a little fresher and looks a little better as of late. You know, you pointed out in his last six fights, he's 4-1-1. One, and one. Um, the, the, the draw to, to Paul Craig, a little bit alarming, right? Because Paul Craig is a guy who is not known for his stand-up. He, you know, he, he turned it into a little bit grittier of a fight, and that, that kind of sucks. But the fact that he's knocking out somebody like Tyson Pedro and John Vellante, guys who, you know, are sluggers, uh, I, I think that bows really well here for this fight with, with Hogerio. And the fact that two out of the last three times Little Nog has fought, he's been knocked out. You know, that obviously bulged really badly for him against the guy with, with who still has power punching. You know, at, at, even at his advanced age, Shogun can still throw a pretty mean punch. So uh, I'm going Shogun. If, if you can find a knockout prop here, too, I'd suggest getting in on that. Uh, I have nothing to add to that. I think you broke that down really well. I think this is Shogun's fight. But again, it's just really a fun Legends fight, a throwback to two pride guys that are still on the roster in 2020 and fighting in the middle of a global pandemic. Okay, another fun fight here. Alexander Gustafsson, uh, who some people thought had retired, or I mean, he did say he had retired. He's back, but he's back at heavyweight, and he's fighting the former champ, Fabricio Verdum. Uh, Verdum served a suspension. He's back now, uh, came back last month, two months ago, actually, in May, and lost a split decision to Alexio Linick. 
fought Alexander Volkov two years ago, losing by KO punch back in 2018. So he's on a two-fight losing streak, beat Marcin Tybura before that via unanimous decision, beat Walt Harris before that via armbar, and then going all the way back to July of 2017, he lost to Alistair Overeem via uh, majority decision. So he is two and three in his last five, and that's going on, uh, you know, the past four years with your suspension thrown in. Um, Gustafsson is coming off a loss to Anthony Smith via rear naked choke, lost to John Jones in the much-hyped rematch via TKO back at the end of 2018, so two-fight losing streak for him as well. Beat Glover Teixeira, looked really good in that fight via KO back in May of 2017. Beat Jan Blankovitz the unanimous decision in September of 2016, lost to Daniel Cormier via split decision, uh, had that scary head kick that I thought was almost going to take Cormier out. That, was, of course, was for the light heavyweight championship back in October of 2015. So going past back the last five years, he is two and four, actually, if you want to throw in the loss to Anthony Rumble Johnson at the beginning of 2015. So two and four is Gustafsson, in his last six fights, and now coming up to heavyweight, he is the minus 290 favorite, however, and Verdum, the plus 230 dog, the former champion. Who are you taking here? I'm going with Gustafson. I think, you know, you, you mentioned he's 2-4 and four recently, but that's a murderer's row of, of light heavyweight opponents. He's going up to heavyweight here, and if you watched Fabricio Verdum in his return fight against Alexi Olenek, man, dude, he looked bad. You know, like he win, he loses that fight to Alexi Olenek, and it wound up being close. But he looked awful in that fight. He looked out of shape. He looked fat. You know, I, I don't want to fat shame the guy here, but like he looked fat, and he looked like he had a worse gas tank than a 46 year old man in Alexi Olenek. So like the fact that all of those facts put together, instantly you apply them to a guy who he's fighting now, who is not only much younger but is much lighter, much faster, and has much cleaner boxing. That's all back-to-back-to-back nightmare things for Fabrizio Verdum here. He's going to be fighting a guy who's got a better gas tank. And for those of you who are worried, oh, Gustafson's fighting at heavyweight now, first of all, the dude walked around at like 235, 240 anyway. He was basically a heavyweight, cutting an insane amount of weight to get down there. The guy's like 6'5". Second of all, if you're worried that he's he's following the Jean Vellante path to heavyweight, you don't have to worry about it. You can find pictures on his Instagram and on his Twitter and stuff like that. Does he look bigger? Sure, he looks bigger. Does he look like John Volante? Not even remotely. So you've got him pretty much just staying at his natural weight. He's always had a good gas tank. He's done multiple five-round fights. I just expect him to absolutely wear out Fabrizio Verdum here with pressure and just put an absolute beat down on him as we get towards the end of the second round and beginning of the third. And I expect him to stop Fabrizio Verdum in there. R.I.P. Verdum. Let's get to our underdog of the week. It's Mike Grundy, plus 195. Why do we like him? So before I get to Mike Grundy, I do want to point out that three weeks in a row, our underdog of the week is hit. We had Kama Worthy, Davey Grant, and then Brett Johns last week. All three of them hit. So you may want to listen to our underdog picks. Why do I like Mike Grundy? Mike Grundy is a guy who is uh, probably the only high-level wrestler we really know out of England, right? He, he's a guy who works with Darren Till. He works with the aforementioned Tom Aspinall. 
But he's also got a wrestling background where he represented England for a while in the Commonwealth Games in his wrestling. So he's fighting Moldsar Evloev, who's a guy who's going to be looking to try to take Mike Grundy down, which is, you know, maybe not the best path to victory against a guy who is such a good wrestler. And I think Grundy's got a little bit of an advantage on the feet. So as long as Grundy's defensive wrestling holds up against the tough Russian, you're going to get like two to one money here on your bet. So I think that... You know, gambling on his wrestling defense here at those numbers, I think it's a really smooth pick. We'll move then to our parlay to play. Uh, no underdogs in this. We're going with two favorites, Shogun Hua, minus 195. Put him together with Tom Aspinall at minus 210. It gets you plus money at plus 125. Break it down, DX. So I, I definitely like Shogun. As I mentioned before, I think he's a guy with lots of punching power, fighting a guy who's been knocked out twice fairly recently. You know, that that's a gimme for me. And I like pairing him with Tom Aspinall. Tom Aspinall is a guy uh, who looked really good in Cage Warriors with some very crisp boxing. He's got a pro boxing background as well. He's stepping in there to fight a guy who is a light heavyweight. Jake Collier fought in the UFC last Three, almost three years ago, he's had injuries and all kinds of other cancellations. He decided when he came back to the UFC to go up to heavyweight. He is not a true heavyweight in the sense of the word. So he's fighting a true heavyweight with a boxing background. I just don't see how that goes well for him. You know, he's a guy who's having trouble at light heavyweight. Now you're fighting a guy who's even bigger with faster hands. It's a nightmare matchup. So at negative 210, that's a great one to put in a parlay along with Shogun and get plus money on your way back. That's a nightmare, but our Twitter feed is a dream. Follow us at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter. We always live tweet during the shows. Love interacting with fellow MMA nerds. Gumby, that wraps it up for Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. Why don't you wrap it up for the show as a whole? And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in, as you do each and every week. Couldn't do what we do without you guys. We also couldn't do what we do without Flow Combat, the mothership, our home for this podcast. And we want to thank our sponsors, Maroon Social, BattleClaneGear.com, and MyBookie. Visit MyBookie.ag. We're going to remind you guys real quick to check out our Twitter, at TopTurtleMMA. We've got all kinds of cool stuff going on over there. And you can also check out our Instagram account, which is now popping at Top Turtle MMA as well. I was Daniel Gumby Freeland. He was Shockwave Dave Tremonte. And we will see you next week.